0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us for this message from Fresh Life Church. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube account so you don't miss any of the new messages as they come. Yeah, do that. Also, we're in this new series called Yours, Mine, and Ours. It's a relationship series. We're talking uh, marriage, dating, love, sex, all of the above and encompassing. the whole thing. (laughs) Enjoy this message from God's Word. It is a joy and an honor and a privilege to get to open God's word with you this weekend all across our church, Um, everyone in Wyoming, everyone in Oregon, everyone in uh, Utah and all across Montana and online. We're so thankful to be here with you. And I am week two of this series, yours, mine, and ours. And I was so encouraged last week as my husband spoke on this topic of sex and love and dating and relationships. And, and I, in, in this message this weekend, I want to talk more to the married side of things. Um, a, a few weeks back, I was in, invited by a friend of mine to a dinner party. And in that invitation, it said, um, your capital S-O is inviting. Is invited also, and I, it just took me a while to think. Okay, what is SO? Maybe she's really excited and said, "You are so invited," <laughs> but she put the is in the wrong place. Um, but then I realized what she meant was significant other. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, significant other." So I I realized that. But then looking into what that acronym also stands out um, and means for different things is special order, sold out. Special Operations, Symphony Orchestra, Shout Out, Sheriff's sheriff's Office, Shaquille uh, (laughs) O'Neal, Star Ocean, System Overload, School's Out, Step Off, Shipping Order. There was literally like hundreds of things that S.O. stood for. And what I want to talk about this weekend is your significant other. Uh, I've entitled this message B-Y-O-S-O. Bring your own significant other, because, well, anyways. Um, But I just want to talk specifically about your significant other in marriage. And I know sometimes when you're dating or engaged, you call your person your significant other. But what I want to talk about is um, something that has really been something that I have been learning, that I have learned, and what it means to find the significance in your other. Um, Kind of the big idea of, of this talk, of this message, is when we choose to see the significance in us and in our significant other, we will grow together in our purpose and our power. When we choose to see the significance in us and in our significant other, we will grow together in our purpose and our power. And I just wanna start at the very beginning and that's always a good place to start. Uh, So in Genesis 2, um, I'm focusing on a few different verses and it's kind of random. I would encourage you just to read through. It's just beautiful to see the beginning and kind of the, the, the original design of Um, of our earth and who we are and God made us to be and marriage and everything. But uh, let's start in Genesis 2, verse 7, where it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden, and there he put the man he had formed. Verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. My husband likes to say this was the first gift that God gave to man. (laughs) It makes sense because that is definitely a gift. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Verse 24 That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This, there's a lot in, in these verses, but one of the things that it brings up is our significance. Um, for you, looking at who you are, um, our first point that we're going to look at and, and unpack here is, number one, understand the significance of you understand the significance of you. This is so weird to me that God made man from dirt. And I don't know... Why? Except that I do know that God is creative, and I do know that God loves to make something out of nothing, and he excels in that. I do know that he's a designer, that he's a fashion designer. It's in, in these words, um, in the original wording, in original language, um, it, it says that God fashioned the man, that God fashioned the woman. And he is a fashion designer. He's the master builder, and he loves beautiful things, And he excellently builds things. This is who he is. This is our God. He is our our God, our creator, our builder. Um, But this is so weird to me because he made man from dirt and he made woman from the man's rib. And that is so weird. And I love this is kind of like the OG DIY, like the, the original gangster, do it yourself, create something out of nothing and then post it on the internet. But something significant, made from something insignificant, from dirt to a human being, um, from nothing to something. And this is so interesting to me, and I, if there's anyone scientific in here, you, you'll probably catch me saying something wrong, so I apologize, but dirt, um, the elements that um, make up dirt is carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, phosphorus, sodium, iron, copper, and hydrogen, and there's probably other things also, but um, the elements that make up a human are very similar, oxygen and carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and there's phosphorus and calcium, but I have here some some dirt that probably has other things in it as well, but um, I am honestly looking at dirt amazed that God would even think like, hey, maybe I should just put some of this dirt together and then make this human being. That is so complex because if you're a student in school and you're learning about biology and the human body and anatomy, and I didn't consider the dirt that would be getting in my nails, but um, it is amazing how God made our bodies. But how he made our bodies from something so insignificant as dirt blows my mind and shows us and shows me and should remind you that God created you and that you have significance because of that very same thing. I love so much uh, that God made woman out of a man's rib. Uh, For me, one of my favorite places to be is right next to Levi's side. And I love so much when in even a big crowd of people where he comes up and just puts his arm around me and I fit perfectly right there next to him. I belong there. Um, Matthew Henry, uh, he said, his quote is... She, the woman, was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. And I love that so much that, um, that God designed us so beautifully. Who are you? You are created by God. You are beautifully created, beautifully made, uniquely made. There is actually no other person like you. You're the only you. You're the only one. And God made you. Um, There's nothing special about dirt. I mean, it helps things grow. And um, I guess you have to put plants in it. There is something good about it. But, um, But there isn't anything super special about it. But when God took some dirt, and breathed into it. That is what made it special. So God's breath on you, God's breath in you, is what makes you significant. You become a work of art when God breathes in you. Uh, You become the masterpiece that God designed you to be. And it's, um, it's not surprising, actually, that most of the human body's mass is made up of oxygen. And that's God's breath in us. Our significance comes from the very breath of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? I've been reading in Exodus, and it's really interesting to see um, how much detail and design went into building God's temple, the church, and and even creating the clothing that the priests wore. And I love so much that God put so much detail into building up the temple, but how much more is he into and excited about the detail of who you are and building you up. You are God's temple. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And this brings me to, in, in this this point of, of understanding the significance of you, um, this is so important for us in our house, uh, of being a part of this house, of being a part of this church, of not just coming in on the weekend and sitting and listening and watching and observing and maybe judging and being critical, but coming and serving and being a part and intertwining your life with other people in this house so that there's that growth and that strength and that accountability that comes from being planted in the house and knit together. And that crash course is such a a beautiful way for that to happen, for you to, to get on a team, which is so amazing for you to to find out more of who you are. And one of the things that we do that I love so much is that we um, provide space for you to take personality tests and, and kind of figure out who you are. And I am not an Enneagram like guru. I don't know all the things. We have some people on our staff who love it, and I'm very thankful for them for that. But um, I'm right now learning more of who I am, of being a number nine peacemaker. And I was literally even just reading more about me and who I am, and everything lines up so perfectly. And then even seeing how that um, not compares with, but compliments my husband, who is a number three achiever. And I think things, it's just so important for us to be learning who we are. Because if you can can actually be going through life, and I honestly feel like I've I've spent a lot of my life uh, not knowing who I was, or knowing who I was, but feeling bad because I was a certain way and other people were a different way. And when you can understand and lean in to the gifts that God's given you and the the things that God's put inside you, you actually see the beauty of that with other people. And it's not you being against them, it's how God blends us together and our gifts and our strengths Together, and it's so beautiful. And I just want to encourage you if you are not on a team, if you're not in a small group, would you please connect with your campus pastor, uh, find an impact team leader, and just take that next step of getting involved and and keep showing up? Is is the most important thing. But this stuff is game changing as we learn that we are actually so significant and so important and so valued by God. it's so important. Uh, number two, it's so important for us in our married relationships, but also in, in life, um, to choose to see the significance of your SO or your significant other, to choose to see the significance of your significant other. Um, you actually have a choice um, as to what you see. I think so many of us, and me included, when you look at your spouse, when you look at people, when you look at the world around you, you just see the negative, because I think that's the easy route. That's the easy way to go, is you you see something, and you immediately find the flaws. You me- immediately see the pimple on her face. You immediately see uh, the untucked shirt and the uh, grungy pants showing half the guy's butt. Like, I think we automatically see the negative. And I think um, it's so important to know that you actually have a choice and you don't have to choose to see only the faults, only the negatives, but you can choose to see the significant, to maybe go back to when you first noticed each other, when you first fell in love. And for, for Levi and I, when, when we first met that, that day in student ministries and we were setting up chairs and we both looked at each other and that was like, we noticed each other. Maybe you need to go back to those early days if, if you feel like maybe you've lost that loving feeling and you need to go back and just remember why You were even attracted in the first place. What was it about them that made them so exceptional and so special and so amazing and so beautiful? Um, One thing that I have been learning and growing in that I want to share with you is being an expert in your spouse. And I have on my Evernote a little note that says uh, my Levi Aaron Lusko expert file where I, when he sends me something he loves, I put it in there. When he tells me something, I put it in there. When, when he, um, I, and I try to just be observing and watching and, and trying to figure out the things that make him tick and the things he loves because I want to be a Levi Aaron Lusko expert. And I want to encourage all of us um, who are married to be an expert of your spouse, to be an expert of your wife or your husband, um, to choose to see the good, to choose to encourage, to choose to love, uh, to choose, as um, Alex Sealy says in her book, Taylor Made, she says, to speak to the king and not to the fool. To one person, and we all have a King or queen in us, um, or the fool. And we can choose to speak life. We can choose to speak up and to bring them up, to speak to the king, not to the fool. Philippians 2 3 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important as himself. And this is not. disregarding your thoughts and your hopes and your dreams. This is elevating your, the person in your life to, to honor them and to think well of them and to lift them up and, and not diminishing you and, and not tearing yourself down, but it's that, that meekness, it's that strength under control, it's that uh, being able to lift up someone else without pouring um, contempt on yourself. Um, your spouse is significant. Um, choose to see it. And if you're having a hard time with that, ask God. He'll show you and just look and see. And, and and a way to do that too is just looking at yourself with true humility and realizing, what are the things that that I deal with? What are my faults? What are what, what what do I need to deal with? And that is so important to be looking at your own faults and not theirs. Um, I love how Martin Luther called marriage a school for character. And that is so true. Uh, As we're learning and growing together, um, you're learning more about yourself, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you're learning about your spouse. Um, The third thing that I want to focus on this week is is love the significance of your role. So I want you to understand the significance of you, to choose to see the significance in your spouse, but also love the significance of your role. See what you get to be a part of in this marriage and see that role differently. Look at your role. Choose to see it differently. You can't change your spouse. You can't change them at all, but you can change yourself. You can change your attitude. You can change your spirit from a sour spirit to a sweet spirit. And you have the responsibility for your own life. You can grow to be the very best wife that you can be. That's something that I learned in in the book, and I've said it probably every time I talk about relationships, but uh, Linda Dillow wrote a book, What's It Like to Be Married to Me? And it's those questions where you are pointing, not the finger outward, you're pointing the finger inward, and you're asking, how can I be the best wife that I can be? How can I be the best husband that I can be? Love the significance of your role, uh, number one. So this is like a sub- point. Um, Love the significance of your role on your own. Galatians 6.5 says, each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Take responsibility to do the creative best that you can do with your own life. And when you are becoming the best spouse you can be, you are automatically going to start seeing the best in your spouse. And encouraging that. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, whether by speech or action, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this verse here that I'm bringing up next, as for me, this is um, Psalm 26, verses 11 through 12, and this is so key. I love throughout the Psalms, David will say, uh, but as for me, He's maybe focusing on his enemies and like, man, my enemies are da-da-da-da-da. I hate them. I hate them. They're little. But as for me, I will serve the Lord. But as for me, I will walk with the Lord. And Psalm 26 says, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. So we have to be in a place spouses married people where we say as for me and i realize that in a, in a church with so many people that there may be some who have unbelieving spouses, unbelieving husbands, unbelieving wives. And I think for us to, to remember that we have to choose first and foremost our relationship with Jesus, to be satisfied with him, to be uh, seeking him first, to be allowing him to meet our deepest needs. And then we can be in a place where, like the Bible says, we are it's the, the, well, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. But for us to be showing that kindness and that love of the Father to our spouse who may not believe, you, 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 just, you never know what is going on inside their heart. So keep praying, keep loving, keep investing, keep being the strongest spouse that you can be as, as your spouse is on a journey as well, as we all are. But just don't give up. I just want to encourage you with that. The second sub point under love the significance of your role is your role together. Your role as man and wife together is so significant. In verse 24 in Genesis two, it said, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. And I love this word unity. Um, in the Hebrew, it's to be united, uh, to designate exclusively, uh, to concentrate fully. So united is is coming together exclusively with no one else in the mix. It's a concentrated relationship. It's a concentrated effort. And I love this. In our home, Levi and I talk about the same team when we're. Um, arguing or we have an issue, we remind each other, we are on the same team. That's unity. We are on the same ship. This is not battleship where we are trying to sink each other. Like, this is, this is us in the same ship doing life together, and we're fighting forward together. Um, Matthew nineteen five. 5, it's uh, Jesus is talking about. It says, at the beginning... The creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Um, My husband last week mentioned um, sex inside of marriage. And that's saying, I give myself exclusively and completely to you. I belong. You're saying I belong completely and exclusively to you. I wanted to show you a picture of a rib. And this apparently is what God made the woman out of. He just decided to take it out and fashion a woman with some curviness. And there she goes. But what I love so much when I saw this picture is that it's the half of a heart. And I just, in my mind picture, as God designs us to come together and we make a heart together, I just, I love that picture that we, we were, when we come together, that we are one flesh. And I love that so much. And just talking about sex within marriage, um, it's such a gift and the sexual love ought to be enriching. And like, Levi was talking about last week of the excitement of it and the the newness of it and and being outside of marriage and doing whatever you want. Sex is meant to be enjoyed by a one man and a one woman for one lifetime. And there's such a beauty of growing in that, and it should be enriching, and it should be something that is all about giving and not taking. And I love so much... That it says in Genesis that Adam and Eve, they were both naked and they felt no shame. They were both naked and they felt no shame. And as you read this, that's the end of a chapter. And the beginning of the next chapter talks about, and then the snake. And you just, there's the, the change and the turn, but God's OG design for us was to walk Naked and unashamed, and just that—that that idea. Christine T- Kane talks about this, but that idea of being unashamed, to be being fully open, f- uh, fully vulnerable, fully intimate—no shame. And I, can you even imagine being in a in a place where there's no shame, there's no guilt? You're just walking naked with your spouse in the this beautiful garden that God designed, and. Literally, that's what we were meant for, to walk together with God, everything open and out, nothing hidden, nothing secret, nothing shameful, but walking in that intimacy. And that is, and vulnerability is the key to intimacy. And to be able to be in a place where you can share everything, where you can share what matters to you, where you can be vulnerable and share your dreams and be honest of, of all the things that are in your heart and ask those, those hard questions and, and ask your spouse what their dreams are and what their heart is and where they are. Like that is intimacy, to share, to listen with your significant other, to find that significance of your role together. And I want to kind of wrap this up here um, talking about conflict, talking about conflict in marriage, which is very difficult. If you are married, you know that conflict is so hard. But what I want to talk about and kind of maybe switch your perspective, switch your thinking, is that conflict is actually really important. Conflict is so important. If we are on the same team, we have to think differently about conflict. We have to kind of change our perspective here. Um, Conflict is actually necessary and needed for growth. Conflict is necessary and needed for growth. Uh, The word conflict means to come into collision or disagreement with, to be contradictory or in opposition, to clash, to fight or contend, to do battle, to fight, to struggle, especially a prolonged struggle, strife, controversy, quarreling, discord of action, um, striking together, collision. And that is when you are married, conflict is collision. Conflict is clashing. Conflict, I am number nine. I am a peacemaker. I don't like conflict. I hate conflict. But it's actually so important. Marriage is kind of like Fortnite. And if you are into Fortnite, I will probably say things that are incorrect, and I'm sorry, but I'm trying to speak your language. (laughs) Apparently, you get dropped into an unknown land of treachery and darkness and difficulty and incoming storms. Uh, that make your world actually close in on you. And so your, your world's getting tighter and tighter and close more closed in, and so you actually have to run into the, your opponents more, and you have to contend with them, and you have to fight with them, and the battle is against them. And marriage is so much like that, where it starts off so, like, there's... The possibilities are endless, this is amazing. We get to have a sleepover every night, naked and unashamed, this is awesome. And then the world slowly starts coming in on you when conflict happens and you don't know how to deal with conflict, because that is one thing that I want to tell young people who are not married, deal with conflict. Know how to deal with conflict, because as you do that, you are preparing yourself for your future relationships, for your future marriage you need to know how to deal with conflict, not to run from the conversation, not to hide, not to flee, but to, to be vulnerable and to talk it out and to come to conclusions together. But apparently in this Fortnite game, the, the goal is that you, uh, there's one man standing who's killed everybody off, who's now in this small, tiny world all alone. But the goal in marriage, which is the opposite of this now, is that the goal is that you come through together. You come through the incoming storms, you come through the conflict, you come through the difficulty, you come through the challenges together. And Levi and I always say at the end of a fight, we'll say, let's never fight again. But we know that there's gonna be another fight, we know that there's gonna be another conflict, we know that there's gonna be another issue, but our heart is that that is that we won't. Our heart is that we want to come through shining. We don't want to fight like this. We hate it. But it's what happens on the other side that makes us stronger and causes us to cling tight, more tightly to each other and to realize that, that we are not against each other. We are not fighting against each other. We actually have a really, a real enemy who wants to take us out. We have an enemy who wants to divide us, who wants to, to put children in between us and credit cards in between us and and all of these things to take us out because he knows that us, that Levi and Jenny together is so much better and so much stronger than apart. And so for all of us this weekend, I want to encourage. All of our married couples, you're better together. And there is significance in you, and there is significance in your spouse, and you have to choose to see that. And there's significance in your role together. Individually, yes, but together, as God's called you to reach a world who needs to know the gospel, who needs to know that Jesus loves them desperately and has a plan for their life, and who has. His best in store for them. And as we close here, our ultimate role is a loving and intimate relationship between Christ and His church. Our ultimate role as a married couple is to show the beautiful picture of Jesus and the church. And how many, I mean, how many times, I know for me, I have couples in my mind who I look to and I say, they're a beautiful picture of Jesus in the church. They're not perfect, they have issues, but the way they love each other, the way they work through things together, the way they honor one another um, is so beautiful. And that is the point, honestly, that is the point. Our marriage points to the greater marriage that's going to happen in the future of Jesus marrying his bride, the church, and that's who we are. We're his bride. And there's gonna be a marriage supper of the lamb where we get to celebrate and be reunited and be with Jesus forever. No, we get to be with him face to face. There's no saying goodbye. There's no, um, there's no death, there's no sorrow, there's no sadness. There's celebration for the rest of our lives in heaven together because of Jesus. And I just want to take a moment now and pray together. I just want to speak before we pray. I want to speak uh, specifically to married couples in our church. And I am so, so thankful to be a part of a church where we see marriages restored where we see marriages strengthened, where we see people meeting each other and getting married. We live in a healthy, beautiful church where we get to see these kinds of things happen. And I know also that there are so many of us here who are hurting within marriage, who are having a hard time connecting with their spouse, having a hard time working through conflict, And I just want to encourage you, just as God made humans out of dirt, he made something out of nothing. God can bring to life something that seems dead. God can bring something out of nothing. He can bring life to your marriage. If you're married, would you grab your spouse's hand and and hold it tight and squeeze it? I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every single married couple all across our church. And I'm so, so thankful that they are here right now together holding hands here in church. And I just pray over them. I pray over those who are struggling, who are hurting, who are having a difficult time in their marriage. God, I pray that even right now that their hearts would be softened, that maybe the tenseness in their shoulders would just kind of go away. And that they would see that all of this strife and all of this clashing and all of this confrontation and conflict, in all of that there is the potential of great strength. There is the potential of great love, of great vulnerability. And I pray that over every married couple who are hurting. And I pray for just every married couple in general. I just pray for an increased awareness individually of their significance, of who you created them to be, of their individual amazing personality, fun, who they are, but also the significance of their spouse. I pray that you would just open all of our eyes to see the beauty and the worth and the power and the, the wonder of the person that we sleep next to every night. And I pray that they would be aware, Lord, Lord right now, open their eyes to see the beauty of their role together. That they get the opportunity, the special, unique opportunity to be a picture of Jesus in the church, to be a picture of God's grace, to be a picture of your love. And I want to pray over married couples but whose spouse isn't standing next to them right now. For whatever reason it is, maybe their spouse is on a trip and and wants to be here but can't, and maybe for those whose spouse is at home and doesn't wanna be a part of the church and doesn't doesn't wanna have anything to do with Jesus, I pray for those sitting here now, that you would give them a renewed vision, that you would give them a renewed strength, that you would show them, just as they're on a journey, so is their spouse that they wouldn't give up, that they wouldn't give up praying for them, that they wouldn't give up encouraging them, that they wouldn't give up inviting them. Give them boldness and courage in this season that they're in. And I pray for their spouse, that their heart would be softened, that they would give their heart to you, Jesus. And I pray for every person, single, old, young, that they would see these things of what a marriage is and desire your best for their lives, that they would wait for the person that you have for them, that they would see the beauty of marriage and not see the, just the negative, the heartache, the maybe their parents got divorced or all of the, the heartache that this world offers and gives. And even within the church, the heartache that there is, I pray that they would see that there's hope and that there's beauty even in the hard stuff. And now if, if you find yourself in a place where you don't know Jesus, where you don't have that relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to him, to, to be part of the bride of Christ, and in that relationship of this is the church, this is who we get to be before Jesus. And, and he, God so loved us. God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus from heaven to earth to live a perfect life, to die a sinless death and to rise again from the dead, giving us that resurrection power. And if that's you, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to to ask and to pray. And it's, it's all about your heart of faith before God saying, God, I need you, I need Jesus, I need a savior. I can't do this on my own, I, I can't save myself. And so I wanna give you a, a prayer that you can say after me, I'm gonna have the whole church say it with me, but you can say, dear God, I know that I've sinned, I know that I've messed up, and I know that I can't fix myself, but I believe that Jesus came to die and rise again so that I could have life, so that I could start new. And I give my life to you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.